Hey, hockey fans, Erica Lindsay Ayala here, your host and co-founder of the Founding Four podcast. As always, I'm so thankful to bring stories from around women's hockey to you. And we have a great conversation with actually the first ever player to sign an NWHL contract and is still playing seven seasons later, now in the Premier Hockey Federation or the PHF. That is, of course, Janine Weber. She and the Connecticut Whale will truck up to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Buttes. We talk about that. We also talk about Janine Weber growing up in Austria and her time there when she knew she wanted to be an Olympian and how she and Team Austria got close, the closest they've ever gotten to that dream this Olympic qualifier cycle. We talk about the Olympics, of course, and a few other fun things sprinkled in here and there. If you are a longtime listener to the Founding Ford podcast, first of all, let me say thank you. You might notice, uh, for those who watch some of my other hashtag content, that this setup is a little bit different. I'm in a new location. I also have really upped the ante with the gear, and I'm hoping that this will make for a more enjoyable experience. And if you want to find ways to support the Founding Ford podcast or any of my other work in and around women's sports and the greater sports community. Listen through the show and check out some of the links in the show notes because I'll have ways that you can help and grow the beautiful game of women's hockey. One journalist, that would be me, at a time. Anyway, more on that. As I said, we'll take care of housekeeping throughout the interview. But for now, let's head over to my conversation with Janine Weber, Power Forward for the Connecticut Whale. Erica Ayala here with one of the OGs from the National Women's Hockey League, now of course known as the Premier Hockey Federation, Janine Weber. Now, Jay Webb, you've played for uh, a few teams now. You're, you're representing the Connecticut Whale. Uh, let's start there. Like, you know, how's the season going for you? Uh, what's it feel like to get back to a little bit more of what we would consider a normal season and not a single site season? Yeah, so I, I missed the first um, four games uh, when I was at the Olympic qualifiers with Team Austria. But obviously we had been practicing before that and we had some exhibition games. Um, and I think the team went about 500 when I was gone. So, you know, we had a decent start to the season um had a tough weekend up in Toronto um but I think we really are finding our stride for um at least you know parts of games or close to a whole game at some points we had a good weekend against Minnesota last week and I think we're really getting to where we want to be obviously still you know it's somewhat earlier in the season or getting to the mid uh, midway point but I think um as a team, we're just getting better and getting used to each other's, you know, line mates and teammates. And I think we have an awesome coaching staff um, between Colton and, you know, Jeff and Sue who are at practice. And then Jack um, Han, who's our um, consulting coach and does video with us. I think I think that gives us a lot of potential to still, you know, get better. And obviously we have a big weekend coming up against Buffalo before the, you know, holiday break so hoping that we can continue you know the winning ways up there 
Yeah. So, you know, you talked about wanting to really get back to that Connecticut whale identity. And so one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk to you about is what do you see that being this season in particular? You obviously know the the Connecticut whale franchise has had its, its ups and downs and I think has had very distinct characteristics for most, if not all of their seasons. So what can fans expect from the pod in season seven? Yeah, I think you've kind of, you know, mentioned it, but we were the last few years, a very hardworking team. Um, Maybe not the most talented compared to the other teams, but, you know, I think we were always very tough and gritty and we definitely now that we have more skill overall, I think we added a lot of skill, especially again this season. We have a lot of talent on the team. So I think if we can be, you know, still those, that Connecticut whale hockey that's tough and hard to play against and gritty, then with the talent and skill we have, I think that's definitely a hard combination for other teams to play against. So I think it's just important for us to know that we we can't rely on, you know, the improvements we've made, the skill we have. We just still need to be that tough team to play against and I think that's a message that the coaching staff sends us to and I think we're aware of that so I think you know it's still a lot of that's more recent Connecticut whale hockey but definitely you know it changed it changed a little bit with the players we've added yeah indeed obviously you know there's a lot of players that I think to your point have helped just to elevate that skill set um, you also being one of those players, uh, when you came to the Connecticut whale and shout out to Bray Ketchum Peel, who is the GM at the time brought you over. But I remember saying that that Connecticut whale team just needed a little bit more size. And I think that that is a part of your game, or at least it's been the part of your game as I've observed it in this particular league. Um, but what, you know, thinking of, of Bray bringing you in and then also through this season now being one of the leaders on the team, obviously one of the veterans on the team, where do you find uh, your, your role? Um, not just as far as a leader, but also as far as your skill set on the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I definitely agree, agree with you. I think my you know, size and the physicality I can bring is definitely one of my bigger assets. You know, I would say I'm probably more of a power forward than a a playmaker. So I think when I, when I'm successful on the ice, that's when I'm, you know, I'm aware of my role and kind of what makes me who I am as a player. So I think um, I definitely want to want to stick with that, especially as the season gets going. I think just knowing, you know, what I can do well and doing that, and like you said, that's that, you know, being physical, my size and just playing as a power forward. So, yeah, I think that's definitely the role I, I see myself in and what I want to bring um, as the season keeps going. And we'll we'll get to I definitely want to walk people through your history. And as you mentioned, of course, you were with your national team, Team Austria. We're, we're going to get into that. But as we start rounding out, talking about the Connecticut whale team and this particular PHF season, Um, as you mentioned, you're going to play the Buffalo Buttes. I think they're also a franchise just given where they've been in the last handful of years, they're really looking to turn the tide as far as what people expect from Buffalo brand, a Buffalo brand of hockey. Uh, I think that they are, you know, tired of being an underdog, like no excuses, like full pedal to the metal is what we've heard. 
but we haven't been able to see much of the Buffalo Buttes, just kind of the way the schedule works out. So uh, the Connecticut Whale currently right now sitting third in the standings in the six-team league. Is it advantageous to have these games in pocket when you're playing against a Buffalo team? Or because there's not a lot of games for Buffalo and thus essentially not a lot of film um, and limited scout, does that make it more difficult? You know, how is the team essentially approaching this road trip up to Buffalo, given that you both have a very different schedule, as you mentioned before the holiday break? Mm -hmm. I don't, I definitely think I see it as an advantage for us that we've played more games and um, I personally like, you know, I feel like the more games you can play with your team and your line mates, the better for team chemistry and the use of your team system. So I think it's an advantage and, you know, going back to the video and the pre-scout we obviously have, I think they've only played three games. So we only have material of those three games. Um, So I think we always want to play the, we've talked about the Connecticut whale hockey style now, and I think we want to play that way. So really I think it's more important for us to be able to play that no matter who the opponent is. And, um, you know, so I think I see it as an advantage that we play more games than them. Um, but yeah, I mean, the lack of film is definitely something that plays into the, you know, into their hands. They definitely have more material on us than we have on them. But I think, again, if we focus on what we do best and, you know, I'm confident that it won't make a huge difference. I'm excited for this series. You know, we were talking offline. One of the broadcasters for the PHF will not be on the call, sad face, for for this series. Um, But I think this is going to be a really good one. As you've talked about, Connecticut really looking to embrace its new identity. As I mentioned, I get the sense that Buffalo is trying to do the same. So I think this will be a pretty good meetup uh, between the two teams, just given the trajectory that each side is going to be taking. So, of course, we want people to tune in on ESPN Plus and, of course, internationally on Twitch to check that out. But Janine... Like I said, us, us that have been around the, the National Women's Hockey League and even before then, the Canadian Women's Hockey League, we've gotten to get to know you uh, on and off the ice, uh, you know, just crushing it on the ice, uh, crushing all of the snacks off the ice. <laughs> but I want to know, how did it get started? When did you fall in love with ice hockey and how did that happen? Yeah, kind of like um, just to what you just said about me crushing snacks. Um, I had I made myself like a smoothie or a protein shake right before we started and obviously um, was ready to go. I think two minutes before I was supposed to hop on this call and then I looked down and I have, you know, just stains of that <laughs> protein shake all over myself. And I was, I was thinking you would like it. Um, it would have. That would have been change. totally on I didn't brand. Want you to have those stains. But yeah, just. <laughs> Like you said, that would have been on brand. So I thought I would have to tell you that. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for that. We're, we're keeping that in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, back to your question about how it all started is um, I went to learn a learn to skate program back in Innsbruck, my hometown in Austria. Um, I think my mom's best friends kids when um they have uh, three boys so the two older ones were doing it and you know it, it was just something I was kind of signed up for not you know thinking too much about it 
I think I was five or six years old and I just went through the learn to skate program, um, lots of sharks and minnows games and, you know, just a typical kind of like how you begin your journey to hockey. But I think one thing that was that kind of looking back, I think shaped my love for the game or kind of who I am today is the fact that I was the only girl on in that program. And for a while, the coaches said, you know, this little girl is not going to stick around. Um, she's not going to move up to U8 hockey. Um, so when half, you know, when on the other half of the ice, the U8 team got to practice with pucks and kind of do like a hockey style practice, I was stuck in the learn to skate program longer playing lots of sharks and minnows and those other games because they just said, you know, she's not going to play for long. She probably, you know, will quit anyways. So I think that kind of helped me fall in love with the game in a way that um, I really had to kind of stick through it to get to the hockey part. Um and I, then, you know, I had coaches who supported me and helped me move on to the next level. And I think just kind of going through that, not adverse, I feel like it's not adversity, but somehow, I don't know, it helped me kind of fall in love with the game once I was able to play actual hockey and, you know, get to touch the puck. And it definitely helped shape me as a player now because I feel like I'm a strong skater. And then at first, shooting and stick handling were definitely not my strengths because the puck wasn't on my stick in that, you know, in those early stages. But again, um, I guess that's how it all started for me. We're going to get back to my conversation with Janine Weber. As I mentioned earlier, though, I want to give you the opportunity to continue to grow the game and grow the coverage of the game. And I have the Founding Four podcast. I do a few other things, including my Black Rosie icon. I am building a brand around hashtag Black Rosie because I am here to make sure that we are empowering melanated people in sports. So a great way to support the Black Rosie movement. And she's going to get a little bit of an upgrade in 2022. So you're not going to want to miss that. But for right now, you can find Black Rosie merch as well as some of my other merchandise over at the Power Forward shop. And the link is in the description. And I'm going to show you some of what that line looks like now. Thank you to Bria Felician. Thank you to Cheryl Swoops. Thank you, of course, to Kelsey Trainer and we might have a little of a crossover coming up soon over on Power Forward. But I want to thank every one of you also. I know Mike Murphy, my co-founder of Founding Four Pod, has some Black Rosie swag. Allison Lucan as well. Thank you so much for all of your support. It means a lot. And through the end of 2021, when you use promo code Black Rosie at Power Forward Shop, you will get 30% off any and all items in your cart. So head over to Power Forward. There's a link to my Power Forward Shop, but I mentioned Kelsey Trainer has a line. Uh, Madison Packer has a line. And I did a great interview with Madison Packer for the Metropolitan Riveters talking about mental health and um 
I did a really great and important interview with Madison Packer about her journey to be a mental health advocate, as well as talk publicly about uh, supports for those struggling with substance abuse. And so you can check out her line at Power Forward as well. And you can use promo code BLACKROSIE to get 30% off your discount of Madison Packer gear as well. I can't close this up, my Power Forward plug, without mentioning Gordy and Tito's mom. And that, of course, is Mallory Soliotis. Gordy and Tito, their ice hockey loving mom, Mallory Soliotis, also has a line over at Power Forward. So use promo code BLACKROSIE for 30% off on your next order. Enjoy your shopping. Wow, that's pretty cool. And, you know, especially people like that come from your generation of hockey on on the women's side, girls and women's side, well, women's side at this age. But, um, you know, that's a very, um, the, the details might be a little bit different, but generally speaking, that's a lot of the story is that you were following someone around to the rink or were given an opportunity to skate, fell in love with it, and then had to navigate through a space that was not yet ready for the wave that we have now in girls and women's hockey. Um, so a, a few things though, that I want to talk about before we talk about your um, time with the national team is that Austria is one of the, the countries that right now at least, um, <clears throat> or over time has had women's hockey. Um, but it sounds like that wasn't maybe necessarily what you had exposure to growing up. So can you maybe talk about a little bit about the growth of hockey for girls and women in your home country and, and, and how that's developed over time? Yeah. Um, you know, we, it's funny cause we're going to talk about the Olympic qualifiers, but when I was around 10, 11, 12, um, I was wondering how one day I would play in the Olympics by myself because I thought I was the only girl in Austria that played hockey because for, you know, years I never saw another girl play. Um, I think with like 12, 13, 14, I saw some more girls on other teams and that was kind of like eye-opening. At that point, I had no idea that, in it, you know, countries like the U.S. and Canada, Sweden, Finland had already been playing in the Olympics for women's hockey and there was college hockey in the U.S. and you know hockey in other parts of the world um, it just like you said that generation was different we didn't really have YouTube yet or not much hockey on TV where you could see that you know women are playing hockey right now so I think definitely hockey has grown in Austria since then <laughs> like you know we've um, had a team now I think 2004 was the first time Austria played in the women's world championships and I think I joined the team in 2005 or 2006 um, right after they played that first time and it's cool to see that a couple of those players are still on a team now and you know they were the they were the girls and or women that I looked up to they went to you know the I think it was the league before the CWHL back in the day one girl played over there when she was I think 18 or 19 the other one played in Switzerland so it, it's really cool to see that you know two of the girls I looked up to then are now women that still play on the on the team 
with me. So it's definitely grown. We have a lot of young players, um, a lot of, you know, a bunch of players who play in college um, in the U S or in, you know, the Swedish professional league. So it's definitely <laughs> taken a big step since that day where I was wondering who would be my teammates in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I think that is adorable. Cause like in my head, I have this picture of like, you know, young Janine just being like, okay, I'm playing hockey gonna go to the olympics but like like do i play goalie and forward like how does this happen are other people just gonna show up like do i need to find a coach like you know it's, it's like weird i have this exact memory of so i have a little bit of a backstory innsbruck hosted the olympic winter games twice and i grew up playing in the olympic hockey rink so you know the olympic rings were all over innsbruck and especially the rink and i, I think i remember being like in the staircase, just looking around at these rings and being like, how am I going to play by myself? You know, kind of, yeah, like you said, goalie, D, forward, just fill all the roles. All right. So, all right, let's take us back to young Janine trying to figure out, all right, obviously the Olympics is a thing I'm here. So I'm going to be the Olympian um have to figure out all of the logistics but what was like the one role that you were like oh do I really have to do that if I'm going to be running this whole Olympic team like was there one uh, aspect of hockey where you were like oh I really don't want to have to do that (laughs) probably goalie because (laughs) I play you know obviously it's different when you're like 10 because you know the roles are not as distinct on the ice but I played d um the first few years pretty much that consisted of standing on the blue line and if the puck came to you you just shot it back in <laughs> um so I had experience doing that then I played forward and you know I wanted to try goalie for one practice and me and one of my teammates switched um must have been towards the end of the season when the coach you know gave us a little bit of leeway and have some fun and I remember being in that and I remember being scared of the puck when it came my way so definitely goalie would be the one thing that I would not want to do, even though I think it's a really cool position and it will be really fun. But I think just the fact that you get shot at with pucks is not the greatest thing. Yeah, not great. Not great. Okay, so we're not going to see you, you know, suit up uh, in in the event that Abby Ives and Mariah Fujimagari are are not available. It's, It's not happening. Yeah, probably have to find somebody else on the team. <laughs> I don't know. Doyle might be, uh, or excuse me, Turner now, but Shannon Turner might be a good, uh, good choice. She's already blocked. She already blocked shots. True. Like it's her yeah. job. So she just blocks <laughs> that many shots. And I guess we might have a chance. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, okay. Let's get back to Janine Re- Weber in real time. <laughs> we'll leave young Janine alone for now. But um, you talked about, uh, you know, being at qualifiers, obviously coming from a country that you, if maybe you weren't there at the very beginning, certainly in the first the growth and development stages. And now we get to a point where for the first time, the Winter Olympics will host a women's tournament with 10 teams. And Austria was one of the teams looking to qualify and your qualifiers, like that was kind of wild how it all went down. Um, but first let's talk about that experience, you know, getting the opportunity to compete in the Olympic qualifiers, I think essentially just came down to, you know, how, how things went with points and, and whatnot, but what was that experience like for you and for team Austria? Yeah, I think this was our 
fourth time as a country trying to qualify. And I've been, I played in all four of those qualifiers. And this one definitely from the beginning felt different um, because we made strides as a team in the world, you know, ranking the fact that now there are 10 teams instead of eight. Um, obviously we are one of the teams that are right on that cusp of, you know, being in the top 10, top 12. So um, we knew we had a better chance. And I think we also just were, as a team, we knew that all the teams in our group we could beat. Um, obviously, you have to win three games in four days. You have to be consistent. But I definitely think we believe that we could do it. And it's something very interesting talking about it. But like while we were in this tournament, um, I didn't really doubt that we could qualify for this tournament. Whereas in the past, you know, we entered the qualifiers in like the earlier stages where you have to win multiple tournaments and you just, you play teams that are ranked way ahead of you. And obviously you always, you know, you always think you can win. And then maybe at the end you're like, oh, wow, we lost all three games. It really wasn't that close. But so this time was definitely different with, you know, the team we had and the opponents we had in our group that we felt very confident. Um, and then, like you said, it obviously came down to some very small differences in points. And unfortunately, you know, we didn't end up making it, but I think it was a cool experience overall for Austria's women's um, hockey program. I, you know, all the games were televised live on Austrian uh, TV um, we got a lot more media attention and publicity that we've ever had, um, especially after that first game that um, we beat um, Germany 3-0. And obviously Germany is a big rival of Austria. So anytime anyone from Austria beats Germany in anything, you know, it makes the news. So <laughs> it was a cool experience. Unfortunately, you know, we weren't able to qualify, but definitely um, I cherish those memories and, you know, being close and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I can imagine that it's, it's tough, you know, when you're, you're getting to that point. And like you said, you had really, um, giving yourself, I don't want to say permission, but your thought process and, and your belief, um, in, because you'd had seen the process was different than the other qualifiers that, that as you mentioned, and I, you know, for it to kind of just boil down to, to how everything else was happening. I mean, you know, but that's the game. Right. And I think that also shows, um, or it has potential to show where the women's game is. Obviously, I, I mean, respectfully, I think we can both agree that it's still a top heavy tournament or will be a top heavy tournament in the Olympics. But that being said, when you look at even how the qualifiers go and, you know, regulation and stuff like that, uh, or, and people who are relegated to certain groups throughout the, all of the official tournaments, um, if you can be a team um, that finds success in these types of tournaments, and then you put yourself in a position like Japan did a few years ago, right? Um, to then compete against what a lot of people consider the, the premier tier um, of women's hockey, you're really giving your federation a chance to grow over time in a way that you won't necessarily get if the tournaments don't 
um, expand, or if, as you said, the media isn't covering it. So there's not more people like, you know, Mm -hmm. if we flash back to, you know, younger Janine, who thinks she has to play on her national team by herself. I mean, you know, we're joking around, but there's still people that are pushing their federations to invest. I mean, look at what team Puerto Rico was able to do and are they going to make the next Olympics? Probably not. That being said, if they continue to play in the LATAM cup and continue to get funding, what's to say that over time, we won't get from one through 10, a really competitive tournament. So given that you're one of those top 10, top 12 teams in the world, what are your hopes for this Olympic tournament when it comes to women's hockey? One more interruption of this conversation with Janine Weber. I love the stories that we're getting about little Janine and you're going to want to stay tuned because Janine Weber promised more little Janine stories and more season one riveter stories. So you're going to want to stay tuned. But again, I want to remind you that the way that I'm able to put shows like this, independent shows like this together is in part through power forward. We talked about that. Make sure you use promo code black Rosie and through my Patreon sports talk ELA for those on Patreon, you know, I have some really exciting things cooking and some of this new setup is due to a partnership that will soon be announced and there are more coming and the great way to stay in the know and to help my independent coverage of sports is to head over to patreon.com and sports talk ELA and become a patron. When you are a member of the Patreon posse, you will get some insights. I have um, an updated survey. I'm going to do some crowd sourcing on things that uh, we want to do for 2022. I mentioned Black Rosie is going to get an upgrade. So if you want to be in the know and the first to not only see some of those upgrades, but also to have some input, that's where you want to be. Patreon Sports Talk ELA. Again, the link is in the show notes, but let's finish up this conversation with Janine Weber. You might have heard me a few times Um, I think I edited some of it out, but you might have heard me refer to the game against the Buttes and Connecticut and that I won't be on the call. As it turns out, unfortunately, the series between the Boston Pride and the Riveters has been postponed out of uh, precautions uh, due to COVID protocol. So I will still be in the booth. I will be joining my old Boston Pride partner, Sam Fryman, and we will be on the call for this Connecticut Whale Series at Buffalo. So go ahead and check that out. But here's what Janine had to say, just thinking about the future of her sport um, in her country and beyond. Yeah, I think first, you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about how Denmark really fits what you were saying. I think they were always a team that was, I think, for the last 10, 15 years or as long as I can remember, we were in similar divisions and, um, you know, we went back and forth with who would, you know, win any given year. And I think it's really impressive what they have done in the last year and a half, two years. Um, they were definitely a very hard to play against team. And I think now they they did move up to the top division. They qualified for the Olympics. I think they'll be hosting the top division tournament. So I think, you know, that's definitely something that other countries, you know, Austria included, strive to be. And I hope, you know, those countries do well in the Olympics. Like you said, it's top heavy. It's been the U.S., Canada for a while. And then 
certain teams like Sweden in 2006 and Finland lately and even Switzerland and Germany have kind of, you know, scratched at that um, top. But to be consistently, you know, among those top three, four, five countries is hard. And I hope that the other countries that are the nines and tens, elevens, twelves in the world can go to the Olympics or those top division tournaments and compete and not, you know, get, you know, have a the, the lopsided scores we've seen in the past. So, um, yeah, I hope the Olympics kind of, you know, show that women's hockey has been growing all over the world and hopefully, you know, the gap keeps, keeps closing. Obviously the U S and Canada invest a lot more money right now and they have a lot more and better resources in other countries. So, but overall, I hope to see that the tournament, you know, is competitive and some teams can maybe surprise those favorites. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the plan is Janine that I will be in Beijing to cover the women's tournaments. I'm super I saw that. That's a mo- That's amazing. Congrats. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, there's so much going on in the world right now. So, uh, as long as it's safe and, and all the logistics are there, I will be there and I'm, I'm so excited. I'll be um, watching it. Yeah. four five six a.m so yeah that's awesome. <laughs> it'll be fun um so in i've been covering men's hockey also a lot more and in the mnhl as i like to say you hear this phrase a lot which always blows my mind because i came from the women's side but they'll say things like a player is on the wrong side of 30 and i'm just like oh okay well first of all in hockey terms i would be on the wrong side of 30 but also that's just not been my experience because i got exposed to hockey professional hockey with those season one riveters that you are on Um, memories, (laughs) such good times, good times. We're going to talk about that too, but, um, you know, the, the women's game, there seems to be more longevity in the women's game. I mean, you've talked about some of the pioneers for team Austria that are still competing with the national team. Um, first of all, why do you think that is on the women's side that you'll have people that, uh, are, you know, quote unquote, on the wrong side of 30, if they were in the MNHL that are still crushing it in women's hockey? Um, that's a very good question. I think it has to do maybe um, with all, you know, I feel like on the women's side, you make so many sacrifices uh, growing up. And there's obviously a lot of adversity with, you know, finding a place to play, or I guess in our generation, it was like, being accepted as the only girl or one of the few girls in the team and having supportive coaches that, you know, let you keep going on to the older, the next group, um, whatever it is. So maybe, you know, having to kind of fight more for just the chance to play. Um, I don't know, maybe that, you know, as you get older, you just still don't take that for granted and you want to keep going. Um, I don't know what, what else I could, you know, attribute that to, but I don't know what you or your thoughts are, but I think maybe that's to do with just that. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think that is a piece of it, which is why I asked you at this, because we're going to slow transition into some of the ways that you've been a pioneer, but to, to answer uh, and just put in my two cents, I think also it's because, and I mean, this league was founded on some of this science that women can be physical 
and and will peak at a later time than uh, you know on average uh, men do uh, when it comes to athletics. So there's there's a longevity that's kind of built in biologically, um, it would appear. And I do think, yeah, the 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 work that so many people like yourself have put in, I can imagine that it's, um, it's kind of tough to, to leave that by the wayside. Um, Mm -hmm. but then also you've been so used to being like, well, this is what I want to do. You know, you and your generation, and obviously the generation before you, like, this is what I want to do. It's never been done before, or they're telling me I'm on the wrong side of 30. They're telling me that I'm a girl and I can't do this never stopped me before. So let's just keep on going. You know, I think, I think those things, um, definitely play a factor. And so that's why I wanted to ask you, I was, I was, I I appreciate you. You gave me like a a little apple there because that's what I wanted to talk to you about next. I mean, whether it's your national team, um, playing in your home country, um, college, CWHL, NWHL, and obviously now with the PHF, you've had some pretty cool opportunities to be a part of hockey history. So as we sit here now, um, as someone who has stepped away from this league and was roped back in, um, when you think about your time um, in your college career with the national team, with this league, um, what are you most proud of, Janine? That's a that's a hard question. Um, that's a really hard question. I think, you know, sometimes when you're in it, things kind of just happen and you're not, you know, you're in that whatever grind or whatever you want to call it. So I think that's a very hard question to like, you know, just pick one thing. I think one of the harder things I've done was coming back. Like you mentioned, after not playing for a year and a half, I think that was definitely, um, not easy you 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 know you definitely lose that hockey shape <laughs> very easily um and not having you know played for so long it's kind of like you're being away from the game I think uh, looking back that was probably one of the things I'm most proud of is being able to come back you know and um kind of goes back to what you were saying about women playing longer I feel like you know I, I feel like I can, I'm still getting better. So I think that's why I'm having fun playing. Cause I, if I felt like I was, you know, not being, I wasn't able to keep up anymore or not being able to, you know, improve at certain things, whether it's on the ice or like mentally with, you know, how you see the game, I don't think I would still be playing, but I think um, that's definitely part of why I still play is, thinking I can still get better. And actually Wolfie and I had that conversation this week or last week. And she, I think her words were something like, until they take me off this ice, I'm going to be playing. So I'm sure you can picture her saying that, but I think, you know, a lot of us feel that way. Wow. That's amazing. And it reminds me of something that Colton Orr told us about Alyssa Wolfe, Wolfie, uh, that you were mentioning another one of the pioneers of this league, uh, for this Connecticut whale team. But, um, Colton said, and obviously he's played in the MNHL and has coached and been around the game for a while, but he felt that Wolfiler's preparation, particularly in the off season, was uh, to a level that he had very seldom seen in all of his hockey years. So I was like, that's that's intense. And I believe it because Wolfie goes and, and gets after Wolfie it. Wolfie is intense. <laughs> 
Indeed. Indeed. I love that though. Um, so that leads me to, to ask you this, when it comes to Team Austria and when it comes to the PHF, I mean, you know, you've already dipped the toe out and saw what the real world is like. You've obviously come back. You just talked about how you feel like you're getting better. Do you have uh, any timeline in mind? Do you think you're going to go for another uh, qualifying cycle? I think that's a very hard, you know, thing to think about, obviously, there's a lot of things that play into that um you know I, I did get hurt I think it was in well it was I know it was in January of you know this year in the bubble and so I feel like it's always hard to kind of plan ahead obviously when you when you get older you kind of feel your body a little more than maybe when you're you know I had a similar injury when I was 18 and I feel like I just got up and like played again whereas this time the you know rehab process and all that definitely took longer so I think you know I look at it more as like if my body allows me to play and allows me to like I said still get better and I play at the level I want to I definitely love the game a lot but I think you know as a female athlete it's also different you know when you think about somebody playing on the men's side you know they want to start a family it doesn't really keep them from you know, playing, maybe it's the one game they miss because their wife's giving birth. But I think for us, it's a different reality. When you think about, you know, starting a family, then that's really, you know, again, you think about coming back, which, you know, I know a lot of my teammates on Team Austria, especially, there's a couple who've done that. But, um, you know, I think that's why it's kind of hard for me to plan ahead. And you always, obviously, I always want to stay healthy. You know, but I'm definitely at a point where if I can't play at the level I want to play at, um, I might have a hard time still playing. So, you know, the four-year Olympic cycle is definitely, um, that's a long road ahead. Um, I'm not going to say no, because, you know, I've done that before. I've thought I kind of hung up my skates. Um, so, yeah, I guess the answer is I don't know, but um, <laughs> at least now you know my thoughts behind it. Yeah, no, I love it. And I appreciate you walking walking us through. You, you know, Webs, I, I want to see you just play for forever. If, if Me such and a we'll be until it takes us off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'll be right there. I'll be right there in the booth calling it. <laughs> so I'll be like, can you turn my levels up? Oh man. Well, either way, I think it's going to be exciting and we don't have to get into that too much. We don't have to have you think about that too much because in the present, in the here and now, the good Lord willing in the Creek don't rise, you and the Connecticut whale will be taking on the Buffalo Buttes. Um, last one, I'll leave you with Janine. Again, you were the first ever player to sign in this league. Um, as you look back on all of the, the things that have happened, the, the, absolute highs, the challenges that have brought the success that is to come. Um, you know, what advice would you give to, or have you given to some of the rookies on this Connecticut team, um, to just be able to kind of stay in this moment, but also not take for granted a lot of the opportunity that they're given. I think that's, you know, again, really good question. And definitely hard to answer because I feel like when you know you always want to give someone some short but concise advice but I don't think I've been able to do that and just like um a few words but I think like you said don't take it for granted because I think what made the first year after that and so special is how 
appreciative and how excited we were all to be playing hockey and to be getting paid for it. Um, I had played in the CWHL before, um, the year before the NWHL was founded. And, you know, I was appreciative that I had a place to play um, after graduating, um, but we didn't make, we didn't get paid at all other than that. I think it was a thousand Canadian dollars for winning the Clarkson Cup. So that was the only, you know, payment we received. So then a few months later when the NWHL was founded and the season started, we got paid. And I think that first group of, you know, I can only speak for the Riveters, but we were just so excited and appreciative and obviously meeting people like you and, you know, a lot of people that were involved that first year. I think, I guess that's why I would just say, you know, be appreciative of what you have and be grateful for the opportunity. But also, I think at this point, you know, in the league and in women's sports, I think it's also okay to, you know, demand, you know, more, maybe better conditions for certain certain things. Like I know the league is working hard, you know, to always keep improving, but I think it's finding the balance of, you know, being appreciative of what you have, but also kind of looking to, you know, build it for future generations or, you know, the players to come. So I think kind of like that path balance of those two. I love that. I love that last piece. And I know I said that we we're going to talk about season one of the ribs, but I think we're going to leave it right there. Cause I, I love that advice. And the one thing I will say is uh, I've said it before, but I want to let you know on this podcast in case I haven't ever told you before, first of all, just thank you. Like you and that first Riveters team were so welcoming to me and my sister, Jesse, as we were getting to learn hockey. And from there has come this entire opportunity for me, not to just cover hockey, but other sports as well to the point where, you know, I'm going to Beijing to cover the winter. Olympics. That's amazing. So thank you so much. <laughs> I still see you and, you know, your sister, you just, I have like those memories of us sitting there and just you guys and us just chatting and just having fun after games. I think we definitely lost some more games than we won that year, but it just still seems like, you know, we had fun and, and you guys were definitely part of that. Well, thank you. It was a good time all around for sure. I'm just going to have to have you back and we'll talk oh, about yeah, all we'll of that. We'll talk about all that. Yeah, other, season oh, one think- <laughs> was wild, at least from the Riveters perspective in all of the great and beautiful ways. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. And I'll have some more little Janine stories ready for you. Um, she was up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. We're definitely going to have to do that. Well, Janine Weber, best of luck to you and the Connecticut Whales, but wish you and the team uh, the best of luck. Tell Bruce I say hey. <laughs> I will. Thank you, Erica. I want to thank you again for listening to the Founding Four podcast. Janine Weber is an amazing pioneer in women's hockey. And we were mostly talking about her time with the Connecticut Whale and of course with Team Austria, but there's so much to her story. And here on the Founding Four podcast, I'd like to have these sit downs with athletes. This is just some of what we have here. I do want to give you a little bit of a tease. The next conversation that I'm having on Founding Four podcast is a combination of two of my favorite things. Uh, One is new, which is ice hockey. And another is, for those of you who've been following my work, you know I absolutely love literacy programs, especially children's books. I'm going to have an author on that actually 
served in a staff role for the Arrows. And that's a you know semi-professional organization in Canada. And she dropped a little bit of knowledge that I had not heard before about our last guest, Angela James. And it dang near brought me to tears. I, I have to tell you, I am so excited for what is to come for the coverage of women's hockey. And there's so many amazing people also doing a really great job of pulling together some of the history of women's hockey that unfortunately has not been covered. So lots more to come for the Founding Four podcast. And of course, we have the Beijing 2022 Olympics. I am so thankful for you, uh, for your love and passion for this sport and for sticking around for this conversation with Janine Weber. But don't forget, we have another great conversation. We're going to head north of at least my border to Canada and talk about some amazing women in the sport, at least two of them are Hall of Famers that are related to this. I gave you Angela James, but now, uh, you know, you're going to have to stay tuned to Founding Four Pod to learn more. Thank you so much. Erica Lindsay Ayala, signing out.